cousin. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Read This, Read That. I'm Jackie Reed. Hey, cousin. I'm Joanne Reed. <laughs> I had to get that hey, cousin out. I feel like I don't interact with you. Enough. I watch you on TV every night, as does everyone in my family and friends. You know, we see you then. But it's just like, you know, with this stuff, I like for you to be directly talking to me. <laughs> uh, it's so nice, except for I loved the Mrs. Potato Head thing last night that I thought she might be joining us tonight. I have to say I'm a little disappointed. I can I can go get her. So she's now is uh, our official mascot for um for the show. And she's she's living right downstairs. I, I'm going to I'm going to send a text request to have her brought in um, because absolutely she should join us. I mean, she's a cousin as well. I love it. Can I tell you how much I love your brows right now? Thank you. I, I'm learning to do so. I'm I, the other day you I didn't are. like my makeup, Ooh, but I'm, I'm learning. I'm becoming a girl. <laughs> Slowly but surely, what? I'm becoming a girl. I mean, I never did any girly shit. Like I did not wear in. I mean, in high school, I was basically a boy. I was like playing baseball and trying to play football and trying to do all kind of boy you were things. Like what they call a tomboy. I was a total tomboy when I was when I was a kid. So I like you know putting on makeup was. I remember I would put on. I put on makeup one time. And I had to do an event. It was like a concert thing. Where we all had to sing. You know, you know how they made you all be in assembly. Yeah. A- and I showed up in a dress and full makeup. Because my, my mom was like, you you dressing up today. So I had a cute little dress, had my makeup done. And so was a friend of mine went, they looked at me, they looked at me like this, like, I said, you know, you clean up nice. That was the nicest compliment that I got in high school. I said, you, you clean up nice. Because <laughs> I actually was dressed like a girl. And they were like, whoa. <laughs> Listen, I always, I can't even remember not wanting to have patent leather shoes, lace socks, curly hair, barrettes, nail polish. You know, I shaved my legs early. My mother was what? She was like, it's too soon for you to be shaving your legs. <laughs> I was like, no. You were the you were the daughter my mother wanted. She wanted a little girly girl. My, my, my sister was more girly. My, at least she had one. When June was a lot more girly girl than me. You know, yeah. she played volleyball and she did like all the kind of girly fun stuff. Yeah. Um, but I was just like, I just want to watch football. Can I watch basketball? The thing that I love about girls who grew up as tomboys and really rode that into their high school years, it's kind of like there's that moment. To me, I love for them where they have like that big reveal. Uh, Like in Love and Basketball, when she went to the dance. Yes. Like, oh, she got body. Oh, she got cute. Yes. Because, right, you show up. I mean, right. Like, you show up to prom and something. Everybody's like, (laughs) like, when was your girl? Wait, let me get my dog. Hold on. When was your big reveal? Like where people were like, oh, she got body. She cute. Probably prom. Probably prom. Because I went and I went with my friend Ronald. Um, I had these two friends. They were they were both gay, Ronald and Ronald. Um, and we went, the two of us, the two of them and me and another friend of mine, the four of us all went together. And, you know, that was that probably was it because I was in a full, you know, gown. I had the whole thing, you know, it was like a because you had to you had to go all out the shoes, the handbag. I had it all. That, that was the one time that I was like, I, I went all out was for that for that little outfit for, for senior prom. You were like, it ain't Spalding. <laughs> Girl, I love a band ball on repeat. <laughs> I love that. Show. No, Love and Basketball is a great, 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 great movie. Hold on. I'm not getting a response to my text. You know, see, you, it's difficult to find a good assistant anymore. Hold on. <laughs> so while you're doing that, let me tell you, I'm sending you a box of this. 
because you will love what I am drinking. What are you drinking? Girl, it is alcohol-free sparkling rosé. What? How? Delicious. Well, there's this whole thing of of alcohol-free wine and champagne. And it because right now during Lent, I'm not doing alcohol. But yes. And so you know how girl Google is. I don't know if they got into my head and they were like, she's not drinking alcohol. Non-alcoholic wine and champagne. And yeah. so I, I was like, you know what? Some non-alcoholic wine and champagne. Girl, the brainwashing. And so I was like, let me try it. And so I went on Amazon. I ordered a bottle of champagne. And then I ordered these little cans. It's called Free of Sparkling Rosé. And I added a little grapefruit. To, it is delicious. Oh, oh, I need this now. Like, I, I need this now. You, I already sent you a box of these. So tell me when you get them and how Oh, you my God. It. You're the greatest cousin ever. I've been literally the hardest part of this Lent Fandango has been that I cannot have, because first of all, I'm working out like a dog with our mutual friend, Jazz, who's killing me, oh, murdering me. <laughs> I told I'm making some shirts. There. I'm going to give you one since you know Jazz welcome. That's going to say murdered by Jazz with love. <laughs> I love she's that. She's murdering me. Yes. Red rum. So yes. she's, so I'm dying every day and I can't even like reward myself with a Prosecco because it's Lent and I'm doing the whole Lent thing until Easter. So it's like, it's torture. No, <laughs> it's I'm telling that. you, this makes you feel like, because this weekend, um, you know, we did the whole brunch thing. We ordered some food and brought it home. But I have my champagne and I have some fresh squeezed grapefruit juice and made me a little mimosa to go with my brunch. I was like, yes, this is, it is the best thing. Wait until you get it. You're going to love it. A special guest has arrived. Hey, boo. Thank you very much. Oh, wait a minute. With with all of the, uh, you know, her pieces becoming off. I see body, yaddy, yaddy. I see you, girl. <laughs> Here is the famous, the very, very famous. You know, we don't gender her. So we just call her potato head. We potato don't gender head. her. Just okay. potato head. Because I know it makes them, it makes the righties angry when we don't gender her. So we just, we, she, we, she is, she, she, them, her. She, she, or, them, her. No, them and they. Them. Them and She's they. they. She's them, them they. they. She is them, they. They them are they potato just known head. as potato. potato. They are just known as potato head. Yes, yes. Here's potato head and looking very chic with a beautiful red lip like ours. We yes, all have a red lip. That. And they have a purse. They and have a cute little handbag <laughs> to be a churchy, to be one to go to church. You ready for go to church? Got a beautiful blue eyelash. I love fabulous. It. I fabulous, love it. fabulous. I yeah. love that you had this on your show and you were just holding it up. You were just like in your face. Y'all are ridiculous. So I wait, I, can, can I make my wind down be potato head? Can yeah. that be my wind down? Okay, let me give you let me give you the backstory on potato head. Sit over here now, darling. I'm gonna put you right here, my love. Um, so yesterday yesterday. That hair is very Trumpy, by the way, but go on. Oh, I'm telling you, it's a it's an homage. It's an homage. Because you know, he was supposed to be inaugurated yesterday. Remember his whole fake inauguration? The QAnon people believe that Trump was going to be re-inaugurated yesterday. Uh, because in their little Game of Thrones theory, he was going <laughs> to just come back in like triumph and be re-inaugurated yesterday. And it's like, why didn't it happen? Because that's a lie. Right. 
So yesterday we were talking on the on the tea on our morning. We have a morning call at eleven o'clock. We do a ten forty, and then we do an eleven a ten forty with my like senior senior producers, and then the whole team does a, a call at eleven o'clock. So we can talk through like what stories I'm interested in, what stories everyone else is pitching that we should do for the show, so we can put the show together. And we got into a deep deep wormhole about these Republicans freaking out about Dr. Seuss and Potato Head, and we're like, how is this a thing? How are we? at a point where where Republicans are obsessed with these two things. First of all, Dr. Seuss's own estate, Dr. Seuss Enterprises, is who canceled those books because they went through their lexicon of Dr. Seuss books and was like, ooh, that's racist. Oh, that's racist. Dr. Seuss later. Get back to Potato Head. But anyway, no, we're we're, (laughs) we're in this whole wormhole about these two things. And the other one was Potato Head. So the Potato Head controversy on the right, where they're, you know, they're obsessed with Dr. Seuss, but they're also obsessed with Potato Head because they're angry that the the company that markets Mr. Potato Head, the, 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 the toy, has changed the name of it to just Potato Head. Right. Instead of Mr. Potato Head. They degendered potato head so now whatever whichever toy you get whether it's this lovely one with the beautiful blonde wigsy or whether it's the male one who there's some with mustaches oh i have ordered a bunch of them there's ones with mustaches they got handlebar mustache potato head there's all kind of potato heads but they took it off whether it's mr or mrs it's just potato head no but wait i need for you to share more on a little snippet of what you told on the show was how did you get that potato head? So how I got this potato head, that's exactly, this was my wind-up. So I was winding up to it. Now, now I'm here. Now I'm there. I'm there. You watch, watch, when they say in church, watch this, watch this, watch this. I'm going someplace. I'm going someplace. Okay, go, go. So yesterday, after the call, I was like, I got to get a Mr. Potato Head. I got to have this for the show. And they were like, uh, okay. I was, And there was one person on the team was like, yeah, do it, do it, do it. Lorena, who's like the, always my hype woman. I'm like, right. she's like, do it, do it, do it. So I'm like, I'm going to get a potato head. And we, I want to set potato head up in its own shot and go to potato head for a question silence they were like what i was like yeah i'm gonna have potato head as a guest so uh they were like uh okay see if you can find a potato head so i go on a mission first i went to target we went online my executive producer tina who's fabulous who's like also my you know my comrade in arms she goes online is like what's your zip code i give her the zip code she's like they have potato heads at your local target so i'm like bet go to target no potato heads. I go and ask somebody who works there. Nice young man. Do you have Mr. Potato Head? He looks in his thing. Sorry, we don't have those. Damn it. So then I go to the next store. I go to, what I go to? Uh, one of these other little box stores, right? And yeah. they don't have the potato head. Then I go to Walmart. And I'm like, if anybody's going to have have this, this toy, it's got to be Walmart, right? They have everything. So right. I go into Walmart. I ask the lady in the front, do you sell Mr. Potato Head? She gives me the blank. Walmart lady, look. What? Okay. Do you know if you have potato? Uh, I don't know. You just have to go back in the toy section and look. That's not customer service. Well, <laughs> where's the toy section? Back there. Make a left. Blah blah blah. So I go back, start looking for the potato head. Ask a nicer, much nicer Walmart lady, who then is like, "Let me see." She looks in her little thing of where it would be. We get to the potato head aisle. No, Mister Potato Head, but there are three. Mrs. Potato Heads. And they were like, sorry, no mister, but there's the missus. And I was like, I'll take it. I just want anything that's a potato and a head. It's got little things to stick in it to make eyes, nose, and a mouth. So but go wait. back to the show and wait. I tell them, I've got the potato head. <laughs> sorry. But wait, just a quick question. So 
this company is now selling just the potato head, right? If there's no gender to it, you can buy all the accessories. So can your Mrs. Potato Head that you bought become a Mr. Potato Head? Or can it, you know what I mean? Can you do oh. the same thing? Is it is it the same toy? Did you, are you buying now just a Potato Head and not a Mr. or Mrs. That's an excellent question. Because the, okay, so you know that the, the, when the, when the, the actual toy was formed, the potato head toy, it initially was just the eyes, nose, mouth, and accessories, and accessories, and the arms and everything. And the intention was for you to put these accessories on a real potato. You would buy the eyes, nose, mouth, and everything, and you would stick them in a real potato. But it was determined that it was wasteful, and, you were, and people were wasting too much food. Yes. They're giving their kids their potatoes from the kitchen, and they were sticking the eyes, nose, and mouth in them. So they finally, ultimately, adjusted the toy, which was just a collection of eyes, nose, and mouth you stick on. So you could make any kind of potato head, any kind of eyes, any kind of nose, any kind of mouth. Yeah. Then it, it it advanced to become where you've got character potato heads. There are potato heads from movies. There's a Toy Story potato head that's got a Buzz Lightyear hat. They've right. got all kinds of them. And if you buy the accessories, when you take the accessories off of, of any of these toys, they are literally all the same potato. There's no difference whatsoever between this potato head, right? When you take off the stuff, and the one that is called Mr. Potato Head. They are all this. They are all the same potato. Yeah. So it so can be whatever it, you, you can build. It's like, you know, you can build a bear, like build a bear. You can make it whatever you want. It's like a build a bear. It can yeah. be anything. And people, literally when I was a kid, of course, again, I talked about how strange of a kid I was. What we used to do with Mr. Potato Head was take all the pieces and put them in the wrong spots. Like this used to be the fun thing that we used to do. We used to find it hilarious to like take potato head and make it's all accoutrement, like completely wrong. <laughs> so it was like a crazy look and yeah. it would be like an alien. Like <laughs> nobody actually, I mean, you know, this is what we did as a kid. This is where your love of sci-fi um, actually began. Well, let me, let, all right. Let, and let, let's move on because we've let's got a guest coming up really soon. Yes. Let me do. Do uh, your wind down. Yes. My quick wind down, um, which is. D'Angelo and the verses from this weekend, because you and I were texting back and forth. And the funniest thing to me was the fact that you could not find um, this on your television. And this uh, supposed to be your wind out about you. Don't be going at me. <laughs> just saying that was the funniest part of it. But then, that was my shame. I'm bad with tech. Okay. <laughs> you're like, okay, next story. <laughs> Both you and your boyfriend had to like make it happen for me. <laughs> pictures and everything. But then once it got started, <laughs> I was, I have to say, um, I am not one who is really into D'Angelo and what? His music. I know, I know, I know. Is you crazy? No, I know. I'm one of those people. It's just but you remember the How Does It Feel Untitled video, right? I remember the video. And that's when he got my attention. And I, re I know some songs here or there. But when I tell you I do not own one album. What? Song um, in my iTunes from D'Angelo. But I'm, you know, but I, but I followed his career. And so I know who he is. And so I was, and I love verses. So I was like, let me tune into this. I, I you know. Of course, a lot of people know. Some people may not know. As I said, Maxwell was supposed to be a part of this. It was versus is usually oh. two artists. Maxwell was supposed to be Valentine's Day. Oh. Angelo versus Maxwell. Maxwell could not do it. I don't know why. Um, if he had COVID or or, or whatever, I don't know. Um, but Max, uh, but 
uh, D'Angelo still, you know, showed up and was like, well, I got hits. I'll just do it by myself. And he had other people join him. Like her. her. Red Man and Method Man. Red Man, Method Man. And Method Man was looking good, good, good. Well, good, you know, he's vegan. Ooh. So, Ooh. as is most of Ooh. we We won't go into that. <laughs> um, yeah, it, was, it was good. It was entertaining. There were a lot of people in that room. And I was like, why does he have that hot ass coat on? He had a big ass coat on. That was distracting to me. Well, um, I, I can I tell you the theory, my theory behind why yeah. he had the coat. And I was texting. I was texting with you uh, and, and our friend Chris with his food throughout the night. And I was texting with some other lots of people were all texting all at the same time. So I had multiple text threads going. And uh, the sort of consensus theory was that, you know, first of all, Untitled, how does it feel? Is the It was his breakout song for the mainstream who were not in his music. I own all his music. I am a fanatical fan of D'Angelo. Um, you, you know, he used to date uh, Angie Stone. Angie Stone. I mean, you know, he's so he's, say, I know, I know all about, about him. But I must say, I the know theory, everything. But the theory is, is that you know he's got to feel a certain way because people ex, people associate him with that body, and he yeah, probably he, feels a little un- sub- self conscious now that he doesn't have that anymore. And he probably was like, let me just wear a coat so that nobody don't ask me what my body looked like. I would say there needed to be a better plan if that were the situation. I know he should have got with Jazz. Jazz would have hooked him up. Yes, she would have. Or he should just stay behind a piano. <laughs> he just should have sat down the whole time. <laughs> that coat looks high. Or wore like a sweatshirt or something. But listen, yeah. he was stylish. Somebody was saying he was dressed like a like a male version of Erica Badu, like his style <laughs> with the hat yeah. and the scarf. Why, why did somebody tweet that that coat looked like it was ready to have a blowout and all it needed was to get his pin curls put in and it was ready to go to church? Yeah. <laughs> the coat looked it, like it a hairdo. Like people on the internet. Like yeah. People, people in the room. That's what I love. Show up in the room. But I watched the whole thing. I really enjoyed it. I love her. Um, and so I really enjoyed that part of it, but it was good. It was good. I'm glad my question is, and this is not for you, but just out into the, you know, into the world, but I wonder how they're going to continue this because I know they will once COVID is over because yeah. it was such a thing, you know, it's like D nice, you yeah. know, the club quarantine, you know, beyond this, um, I'm sure D nice will be fine. And I'm sure. Yeah. You know, Swiss and um, uh, will be fine beyond this. But I feel like this versus thing, like they could take this on tour, right? Totally. It could be two artists, like it could be so much. And I'm sure they probably made all kinds of television yes, yeah. deals with Apple. And like this was such a brilliant idea yes. and I love it. And that's why I try to tune in and, you know, when it's someone that I'm curious about, because I haven't tuned into all of them. Yeah. But this same. one I wanted to see just because D'Angelo is D'Angelo. Oh, yeah. You know, and I did want to see what was going on, you know, with the body. I with that to- body. I mean, well, he, but first of all, I will let me give D'Angelo a little bit of credit, though, because he's still fine in the face. I mean, I don't know what the body looked like, but the face still there. And also, Method Man. Lord have mercy, Lord. Method Man is fine. And he always was fine. So. I'm just going to throw that in there. That Method Man fine is fine. In the face. <laughs> he's still fine in the face. <laughs> he looks good. He, he did look good. It wasn't <laughs> like he was, you know, just out of control with it. He probably just wasn't what it was in that video. Right. I he mean, how were, could it be? People if were he, texting belly. Like they were putting. He had a little belly. I could see he had a little puff belly. But listen, I have a belly as well. So I cannot see, criticize his belly. Listen, I cannot say I shit. Talk about nobody's body. <laughs> no, I can't say me, nothing. You'll get no criticism from me while nothing. we are in COVID. Not at all. Everybody got that COVID twenty, and listen, yes. if he if he had maintained that, because remember that song, the first the, the first album, his first breathtakingly great album, came out in nineteen ninety five when my child was born. It was a the long same, time. 
it was 95. And so and his second album, I think, came out in 2000. If he had been able to hang on to that body for 25 years, that he wouldn't be even cool. be a human being. He would be a god. Hello, so I'm, but, I'm, but let I me, get it. Let, let me cue Lenny Kravitz for you, whose body is old. By the way. I mean, but also Lenny Kravitz is a smaller package. He's like five feet tall. How, how hard is that to he's, keep it? No, he's not. No, he he's is not short. five feet tall, girl. Back it up. Mm-hmm. I've seen him at no. He's not? I thought yeah. he was short. No, he is not. No. Well, he fine, though, too. Anyway, we got a guest. <laughs> we do. We have a great guest coming your way, so just stick around. Listen, you guys, she is one of our favorite people. Um, she is a friend to the show. Lovey is just one of those people that everybody just loves. As her, as her name says, she's an author. She's a motivator. She is a public speaker. She is an all-around badass. Um, and she's got a new book out. Her first, first book, I'm judging you, is available. So please buy that wherever you can. But she has a new book called Professional Troublemaker, The Fear Fighter Manual. And look, girl, you ain't got to hold it up. Look at what Joanne has. <laughs> what you got? You got one too. Right? Are we doing an un- we're doing an unboxing today, right? You have yours thing. Okay, so, uh, so those of you who, you know, I wrote, I've written three books and I never had a box of things that I could send to anyone. This was, so, this was very Beyonce. I was yes. so excited when I got this. It was very Beyonce. It was Tyler Perry-esque. I'm like, you said a it whole was, box. I was I, like, listen, look I at this. I feel very so, lame for what I, what I did. We're not playing in 2021. I said I was not going to play with this book launch. I wanted this book launch to be excellent. I wanted y'all to be like yes. treated. It's you better give me Diddy and Beyonce. You better give it. Okay, so explain this card that says fuck fear. What's this? I wanted people to open the box and instantly instantly know what the point is. Like, fuck fear. Fear ain't got no home home in us, okay? So, and behind there, you see all the Black-owned businesses because the box is curated with Black-owned businesses, Black women-owned specifically. I love that. I love it. It's amazing. And there are beautiful things in here. There are candles and is this makeup my favorite lipstick my favorite lipstick which is boss lady oh who made this good troublemaker that is by district of clothing they made a special colored edition for me for your box so yeah wait okay i love this This. All right, I'm that's doing, a pop socket. Look, my it's a pop oh, socket it's for my phone. Yes. Oh, I'm adding it today because yes. my the one that I have is Fabulous. it's just a rose. It's just, yeah, this one is more interesting. It way more interesting. It reminds me of you because you know you will wear some shades, girl. Yes, yes, I will. One hundred percent. Oh, unboxing of the lovey box. And of course, I'm doing it also on book. video. This is gorgeous. We have a. I love an unboxing. Shirt. I love an unboxing, right? I love that Joanne is doing it double, that she's doing it on her phone. <laughs> I'm also going to do it for the gram. Okay, here's the book. Oh, this lovey. That Who's candle. Jones, who I love because she's my African sister. Yes. So that candle is by Lit Brooklyn, black Lit. owned company out of Brooklyn. And they customized that one for me. So y'all are getting highly exclusives. Yes. I love this. Okay, lavender body butter from Organic yes. Bath and Company. I yes. love a body butter. That's my favorite body butter. When you use that at nighttime, you sleep well. Yeah. I love this. Sliding out the bed. And what we got here? This is OBC. Oil. What's this facial oil? Because, okay, your skin is glowing. Your, is your this skin is perfect, yes. 
Yes. Yeah, so same company, organic bath company. They have this beautiful facial oil. You put it on. I'm telling you, your face be like, yes. Gorgeous. I love it. Oh, the lip bar. I have lip bar on right now, so I can never have enough. I love them. Black owned. These are all black owned. I love it. This is amazing, lovey. This was so smart. And it's, 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 it's so smart. It's so, so, so smart. And of course we have to remember the lollies here. Um, Judgy pop in the building. And we got shades. And we got, and you got oh, shades. Wait a second. Oh my God. I love you. So and I love that the lollipop is still part of your uh, trade. It grew up. It grew up a little bit, you know? It did. I remember the first one two. you gave They're me. Also shades. Yes. When, I met, when I met you, we came face to face at a baby. Boom. Boom. And Ain't them fire. A lolly. Look. God, that's lovely. I'm ready. I got um, So Go tell on. us about the book because it's all a big lead in all of this unboxing Love to it. your book. What is your book going to give us and feed us spiritually? And help us fight fear. Yes. yes. So my book is to affirm troublemakers. I'm hoping my book loans people courage. And by doing it, it's by giving people permission to be themselves and to raise trouble. I think about, you know, the late, great John Lewis, who said be necessary to make good trouble. Yeah. It's time for us to do it without apology. And I wrote this book because more of us need to understand that our job is to elevate the rooms that we're in. We got to say the hard things and do the hard things, especially when we are people of power and privilege. Yes. We got to do it because it's necessary. And you're going to have to do it even in the times, especially in the times that scare you. So I'm like, as a black woman, an immigrant, for me to write this book, it's especially significant because books like this are usually by like white dudes. Yeah. Who are like, just get out your own way. And you're like, sir, you have the world at your feet. Relax. And I wanted to write this book because I wanted to use myself as a model of what it could look like. like you can still soar even if you do use your voice, even if you are outspoken. Like what happens if we actually normalize the fact that we're going to constantly be doing the things that scare us because that is usually what we have to do. That's yeah. usually the thing that will push the world forward and push the rooms that we're in up. But Levy, well, was there ever a time where you were, you're so outspoken and thank, thank God you are because you know, what you give to the world of yourself is just truly a blessing. But I wonder if there, if there was a moment in your life, even with what you're doing professionally, where you didn't feel, where you didn't, you know, where there was fear that got in your way. Yeah. So 2017, I was asked to do a TED talk and I turned it down twice. Wow. And I was about to turn it down again when I called my girl, Unique Jones Gibson. And I was like, yo, it's three weeks before TED and they want me to come do this talk. I'm gonna have to start a whole, I'm gonna have to like write a whole new talk. And everybody else has already had their talks done for five months. They've already had their coaching. And here I am about to jump in. I was like, I'm afraid I'm going to bomb. And Unique was like, everybody ain't you. She was like, everybody's not you. Yeah. You know, you've been on stages every other day. You know, you've been speaking for seven and a half years. You got this. So get off my phone and go write this talk. And I ended up doing the talk. And that talk now has 5.6 million views. Wow. And it really made me think about like, how often do we let fear make us say no to yes opportunities because they feel too big for us for whatever reason. We think we're not ready. We think we're not qualified. We think we're too black, whatever it is. And I was like, yo, the story of my career is of all the moments when I've decided to do something while I was afraid, you know, I said yes to, um, writing my first book. Right. You know, I could have thought I was too, I wasn't ready for it. And that would have led to me not being a New York times bestseller. So I really wanted to 
talk about even those of us who are bold and outspoken, we're still dealing with fear. That fear is like as universal as humanity. Like it is one of the most universal feelings. So it's not about us being afraid. It's about us choosing courage in those moments of fear. Can you talk a little bit about your bio? Because for a lot of people, you know, they see you on Instagram uh, and they see you just being fabulous and feel like you sort of just dropped in from another (laughs) planet in full lovey form. But you have a backstory. So give us your backstory. Yeah, I am an 18 year overnight success. Okay, I I am true. I have been blogging for 18 years, half my life. I started blogging in college. Didn't think it was a career. Didn't think writing was even a career for me. I thought I was going to be a doctor and then I thought a psychologist. And then I was in marketing. Girl, did Justin. all the immigrant kids think we was going to be doctors? What all the immigrant kids, the immigrant- all of us, all it's of my all friends, of us. We were all, all of my doctors. friends are failed doctors. All of us. Same. <laughs> all of us. It is a thing. So, yeah, no, my a D in chemistry ended my doctor dream. Baby. I was like, oh, I ain't going to make it. <laughs> I said, no, this ain't for me. You know what? Let's go ahead and drop that. The D is for dead the dream. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a gift because I'd be the worst doctor in the history of life. You hear me? The worst. I don't even like hospitals. I, you would have a great oh my God. You would have interesting conversation with your patients. I would, but then I'd kill them afterwards because I'd be terrible <laughs> at it. Like, <laughs> it'd be like, you'd be like, oh, this bad. I don't know what you're going to do. Girl. I don't know. You're you in trouble. I'd be like, I'm just figuring this out. You don't want that in my, mm-mm. nobody needs that. My malpractice insurance would be sky high. <laughs> But yeah, blogging basically kind of took on a life and more people started reading it. And next thing I know, I'm in rooms, you know, with people who are with CNN and BBC because I I got credentials to do press coverage at the Academy Awards in 2012. And I'm backstage, too. Like, I'm over here marveling, like, "Woo, how I get here? And you work you work for a real outlet. And I'm just awesomely lovey. And that's when I really started calling myself a writer, because I realized that my words got me in the same room as people who had the stamp of writer and journalists. So I don't say journalists, I am not a journalist, but I am a writer. And, um, you know, I worked hard. My Scandal recaps actually really did also help in my journey. When Scandal was on, every Thursday night, I'd be live tweeting, and then I would write a 3,500 word recap where if you missed the episode, you missed nothing if you read my my recaps. (laughs) To the point where Shonda Rhimes started reading my recaps, the the the, the staff and, and the team that worked on Scandal started reading my recaps and more people, they'll find me for a Scandal recap and they'd stay when they'd read a piece called Stages of What Happens When There's Injustice Against Black People. Yeah. And just over the years, I built just my career consistently and organically. I wasn't writing. I wasn't creating ads for my blog. I was just posting like, hey, here's a new blog post. And it'd go viral because other people felt like those were their words, too. And um, book one came out, hit number five on the New York Times bestseller list and also changed my life. Yeah. It allowed me to retire my mom, which was a lifelong dream because mm-hmm. it instantly doubled my fees. And I was like, I can handle your bills and mine now so you don't have to work again. Wow. And who I am as a writer, as a, you know, as a thinker, as a black woman, my evolution is in my writing and it's in this new book, Professional Troublemaker. So I put all these lessons that I've learned, you know, by being a bold black woman in this world that's not always cheering us on in spite of the fact that, you know, I have many reasons to be quiet. I have many reasons to say, you know, well, I'm just going to be a librarian today. I ain't going to say nothing. Y'all, y'all go handle your own problems. Yeah. But, you know, I, I still show up and I will show up. But my hope is that anybody who also does the same, like you two, 
you know, you feel affirmed that, you know, that there's somebody else who's also making trouble next to you. (laughs) I'm about to tell all my bosses if next time they get mad at me for tweeting stuff that makes right wingers angry. Lovey said I needed lovey to be bold and make good trouble. <laughs> tell him, tell him, Lovey said. That. Talk about that, Lovey, because I think it's important for not just you know people who are recognized, you know, black people who are out there in public spaces, public figures, if you will, but also for people who are you know working in in banking, in education, who are the only black person in the room. Talk about the responsibility because a lot of people feel they they have fear. They don't want to lose that check. They don't want to be seen as a problem. You know, but talk about the importance of speaking up in our lives when we see racism or when we see somebody else who's dealing with something and standing up for them, saying something about it, standing with them on social media, you know, and and situations like that. I think about Monique as a perfect example, the comedian where- You know, a lot of people were afraid to align themselves with her, um, even though there was a lot of there was there was right about a lot of what she was saying. Even Jada Pinkett Smith came forward and said, listen, she's not telling any lies. She She wasn't lying. But there were people that were afraid, very, you know, well-known public people. But talk about the importance of taking that stand. And, you know, you probably feel the fear, but working through it. Yeah. I always ask myself, will my silence make me proud? Will my inaction make me proud? Will I be able to justify my silence in those moments? And there are three things that I ask myself also when it is time to say what feels hard. Do I mean it? Can I defend it? Can I say it thoughtfully? And if the answer is yes to all three of those things, I say it. It's risk mitigation. It doesn't mean it's going to always be received properly, right? In the way you intended, but it's risk mitigation. I think We need to ultimately feel convicted that we are responsible for the things that are happening around us us and are in the world that we are living in. We can't constantly say somebody else is going to speak out. I don't have to. We can't constantly say somebody else's job to do that thing. I don't have to. That's how nobody ends up doing something. It's called the bystander effect. The more people you think will will act, the less you're likely to act. So you got to start doing the thing that feels hard. If all of us decided to start doing that, We'd be better for it. The world would be better for it. So I think whether you're working at a bank or not, think through the worst case scenario. What is the worst thing that can happen if you do this thing? Is that thing likely to happen? A lot of Black women especially will still say, I'm still going to do it because we are the world's conscience. But imagine if the rest of the world felt so deeply responsible like we do. We would be better like because they would be able to do less things that are unjust. So I need more people, the banker, the activist, the librarian, the accountant speaking up and using your voice and your power does not just belong to the people who have platforms and people whose names, you know, your platform is the place you live in, the place you work in, the friends, you know, your coworkers, they matter more than anybody on social media. So in the rooms that you're in, Use that voice because we need it. The world is a dumpster fire. So how do we put out some of the fire? People start actually putting action to all of these things happening. And you know, love now you, you just showing out. Now she's just throwing tits. She just throwing tits off. She's giving like, us a TED talk. Yeah, now she's just doing it like it ain't nothing. For Damn. real. But well, <laughs> let me ask you this because you know, as you said, you blew up a lot of it. You know, talking about scandal, talking about entertainment, and things like that. But it is a lot different um, to go out publicly 
and talk about race and racism. Because, I mean, I, I'm sure Jackie has felt this. I felt this, particularly even in this industry, but even in just regular life, like you said, a bank or whatever. If you're talking about things that pe- that are like on the entertainment space, that's one thing. But when you start talking about racism, people get very, very uncomfortable and mm-hmm. they get very, very angry and they don't want to hear it. Even mm-hmm. in, you know, look at what happened with the 1619 Project, how crazy people went. This woman, Nicole Hannah-Jones, had been a top you know, investigative reporter forever. She did this and it's like, she's the enemy of the public. Black lives mm-hmm. matter. Just saying black lives matter enrages people when you say it. So talk about like, how do you navigate the uncomfortable space of speaking about race specifically in a country that is very, very resistant to it and in spaces that are resistant to it? I need white people to get it together. Like, yeah, yes. that's really what it comes. I need white people Period. to get it together. And honestly, I am now in a lot of spaces where they'll pay me to come to a keynote at an internal company. And you know what I do while I'm there? I make them extra uncomfortable. I speak directly to them and I say, I know you've done this and I need you to stop because the problem aren't the black folks who are calling out racism. No, we're, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing because the system is trash. It should not exist. And this system that has been deeply embedded in everything of our, every aspect of our lives. I need white people to get it together. Like, it's wild to me that the fact that we will say this thing has happened for 400 years, people get mad, maybe get mad at the fact that it happened, not at me for pointing it out. Right. Right. Yes. Right. Amen. You want to get mad at us like Joanne was saying for for for, you know, saying, well, probably a good thing if Dr. Seuss, you know, if they take these books off the shelf because they've offended so many people for so many years and they just want to get mad about it because they're just bringing it up. I don't understand it. It's actually madness to me. So I'm like, you know what? I hope. So yesterday I did a keynote where I said, like, you know, I'm showing up bold at a company that's probably majority white. And I'm like, if y'all think I'm excellent, I hope you find the one person who's black in your department excellent when she pushes back on you. Mm-hmm. Don't just consider me excellent because I'm from the outside looking in. Right. The people who are there also need to be affirmed. But our voices and the way we use it, and, you know, I see how people come crazy at you. And I'm always like, listen, if this woman can do this day in, day out, what's your excuse, person who's randomly scared, right? Like everybody is looking for the, well, it's not going to be that bad. No, no. Sometimes it is that bad when you speak the truth. Sometimes people will come at your neck when you speak the truth. But here's the thing is it shouldn't be exceptional when you speak the truth, right? You would get attacked less if more people were doing what you were doing. Right. Which is why we ha- we need more people to be doing what you're doing. We need more people to be making trouble. We need more people to show up. And even if they might face consequences, say this is more important than whatever that thing is that I'm afraid of. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think for media, and I'm sure Jackie agrees with this, is that, you know, the media is creating this space where they're like, we're having diversity, but it's still even internally very uncomfortable for people to have conversations that are very, very blunt about race, even in places that are expanding in terms of diversity, it still can be uncomfortable. So, I mean, if you, you know, if, if you're a young person, that's like an in turn in a room full of people who are not a person of color, it can still be very intimidating to say anything. You hear a racist comment. You hear, you know, it, it, I think about the New York Times uh, controversy where people are swarming and getting angry at people at the Times for getting rid of a guy who used the N-word. And they're like, come well, on, what was the context in which you used it? It's like, there is no context. There's a white guy calling saying the N-word. Why? why? And they were like, he's being canceled. It's like, there, but the discomfort is being, re, is being meted out on the people who did something about that. Not on him. He's being defended. So it's like this is happening over and over, even in industries that are supposedly more woke. 
Correct. And, and, and the woke, I'm like, diversity is not just diversity in color, diversity of thought and expression. So until they understand that diversity does not just look like you hiring somebody and then you you feel good because you asked, hired one executive out of 45 right. who are black and brown. And then that executive only lasts a year because the environment is toxic to them. Like the diversity of thought is a real intention, like real. We got to actually commit to doing it in real ways and companies ain't ready. But here's the thing is whether or not they're ready, we still going to say something. Right. <laughs> we still going to say something. Yeah, for real. Absolutely. I love it. You have a good, you have the right name, lovey. We love you. <laughs> the, the one more question that I'm going to ask you is um, when you wrote, uh, well, uh, let me start ask you two quick questions. First of all, what, what was your most frightening thing you've ever done? What was the scariest thing you've ever done? Physically scary when I went skydiving. <laughs> when I jumped out of a perfectly good plane on purpose. You jumped at, okay, so you actually did it. Mm-hmm. I did it. It was 2000 and what's this year? It was 2015. That's conquering fear. Well, Lovey, we love you so much. And I know your book is available where all books are. Is there anything else you want people to know about this, this book? Yes. This book will loan you courage and power, right? As the world is telling you that you're not enough. So read this book, pass it on to a girl who needs to hear this message, a woman who needs to hear this message. And let's all commit to being professional troublemakers. So it stops being exceptional when we speak truth to power. Yes. Amen. Amen. That's a word. That is a full, a full word. Yet another TED talk. She just dropping them like rain. TED talks today. And and we all got that red lip that we can rock. And then we can look cute while we making trouble. That part. Troublesome and cute. That's what we're going to be in 2021. (laughs) In the year of our Lord, 2021. Our Lord. 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 The year of our Lords, 2021. Lovey, 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 Ajayi Jones, you're the best. Thank you very much, sister. Love y'all, the Reeds, the Reed sisters. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Bye. Bye. All right. Well, that does it for this edition of, or this episode, I should say, not edition of the Reeds. Sort of an edition. It's like an edition episode. It's kind of both. Um, We're not going to do what you're going to do for you this time because we're out of time, but we're just going to say, please, please, please support Cousin Joanne every Monday through Friday on the readout um, at 7 p.m. She's making history over there. Let's support our sister. So tune in every Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. for the readout. And, and making all kinds of good trouble because they'd be mad. They'd be like, are, what did you say oh about Republicans? <laughs> what did you say about they all mad, girl? They so mad. I, I no, I needed this today because they get so mad when you say that they racist. That there's like race. Yeah, the Republican Party is like embracing racism. What do you want from me? That I mean, I, I didn't tell you to do it. Don't it do is it. What it is. You're just speaking the truth. I'm just telling y'all. I mean, listen. I'm not in the party that's now gotten sued twice using the Ku Klux Klan Act. That would be your party. Right. Don't get mad at me. Just stop doing the stuff. All right. Well, you have to listen to Miss Jackie Reed on New York Live Monday through Friday, 1130 a.m. Eastern Standard Time if you're in the New York area. But if you're in Boston, you got to push that back to 1230 p.m. Also, of course, catch Jackie Reed on VeganSexyCool.com, VeganSexyCool.com, where you will find out the reason that um, Method Man is fine. Uh, and you will find out all the reasons why people who are vegan are better looking than you <laughs> because he obviously is fine, 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 fine. Uh, and uh, you will also get lots of fashion tips and food tips and every kind of tip that you need in order to live a better life. VeganSexyCool.com also on the Instagram. Thank you very much, Miss Jackie Reed. So everybody, please tune in to the next Read This, Read That. You can also follow us on the Twitters at Read This, Read That. Leave off the T for savings. You can also follow us on the gram 
read this, read that, follow Jackie Reed at, at Jackie Reed, follow me at, at Joanne Reed at all the different things. And we will see you guys next time on the show with the cousins. Bye. Bye. <laughs>